Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to talk about, we're going to set the tone a little bit for this week and talk about prayer today. Uh, prayer can be a funny thing for people. Have you ever felt like God isn't answering your prayers? And, and sometimes you think, does prayer actually work? Um, and maybe you feel like you're, you've been praying, but maybe you've been praying wrong. And why do prayers go unanswered sometimes? And uh, if prayers work, then how come mine don't always work? And, and sometimes people can say, I'm praying for you. And it can feel empty. You know, you're going through something and, and people are like, I'm praying for you. And you're kind of like, what does that do? You know, pray, saying pray about it can be a little bit of a Christian way of a cop-out sometimes. When someone doesn't know how to help you, oh, you know, just pray about it, dude. You'll figure it out. You know, just pray about it. You'll be fine. You know, that can seem like a cop-out, but it's also the best answer for everything. You know, as a kid, I grew up in church. I grew up in this church. And um, back in the 90s, we used to do, I think it was like once a week, we'd do these prayer nights. So we get all into the auditorium together with the purple walls and the pink shades on the windows. And uh, we'd get in there and people would pray in such wild different ways. I was not familiar with this style of prayer. You know, we'd we'd pray a certain way at home at the dinner table, but then we'd go to these prayer meetings and people would be like, with their hands up against the wall, there'd be oil flying everywhere sometimes. (laughs) You know, they'd be shouting sometimes. And uh, they'd be saying like all sorts of different things that I wasn't familiar with. And I would think, where did they learn to pray like this? And I would think that these were like the experts of prayer. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about them. It was just the style they were praying in that time. But what it did to me as a young child was I became intimidated by prayer. Does that ever happen to you? And you kind of feel like, I don't know exactly how to do this whole thing. But... Luckily, like a lot of things in our lives, Jesus and Paul teach us how to pray. Two great examples in the Bible. We're going to explore, we're going to start with exploring what Jesus said about prayer quite a bit as as we figure out does prayer actually work. We're going to explore what does Jesus say. We're going to get into a little bit what Paul did and and the examples that can be for us. So Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. But they think they'll be heard for their many words. That's in the NIV. In, in the ESV, they, they translated it this way. They said, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. So just know that when you're praying, God already knows what you need. Right. So you don't have to figure out some big thing as you're trying to figure out how to pray properly. Just know God knows what you need. Prayer can be simple. Prayer should be simple. In Eugene Peterson's message version of the Bible, he wrote it out this way. I love, he uses really blunt phrases sometimes. I love the way he worded it. He said, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice and peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Have you ever heard somebody talk about the techniques? You've got to pray these specific ways or else you're not going to get what God you know, wants to give you. Sorry, God doesn't work like that. He already knows what you need. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows you better than what you need. Sheesh. That is so direct, isn't it? We 
add so much to prayer, don't we? Sometimes we can add so much to it, but it should be simple. I felt intimidated by these people because they would pray, oh God, the God of Jacob, Jacob, Joshua, Jacob, and Isaac. You know, they would say that the names of God, Emmanuel, and you know, there's nothing wrong with kind of reminding yourself of who God is. But I felt so intimidated because of just all the phrases that were being used. And I would just ask that you would consider this today. If you want to pray like that, go ahead. But consider this. Jesus said that prayer should be simple. So maybe praying like that for you is simple. But if you're not enjoying prayer, this should be your first step. Pray simply. Pray more, say less. Simplify your prayer and do it often. Because prayer is not about a specific technique or performance. It's not about repeating certain phrases properly to get God's attention. Prayer should be simple, natural, and often a conversation with God. But simplifying things can be hard, can it? You ever watch those like minimalism shows on Netflix? You watch one of those shows and then you go to Home Depot after and we get all the bins and the racks and trying to do it right and it's a nightmare. There's always way too much stuff to put in the bin. Simplifying is hard sometimes. I would say just a simple conversation with God. Simplifying prayer can be hard, but it's so worth it. I would say praying often is the most important part of developing a healthy prayer life. That it's just about bringing it up often, often, often. Prayer doesn't have to be this big planned out event where you, you know, build this shrine of candles and get the music right. And, you know, I've done that before, trying to just set the mood right. That's okay. But it doesn't have to be like that. All you got to do is you have a need, ask God to meet it. That's the simplicity that prayer can be. And when he answers that need, write it down. Thank him for it. Dwell on it. Put it in a, you know, a journal somewhere. In, uh, what is it, Luke 17, there's a story of these 10 lepers. And Jesus heals 10 lepers. And they all go on their way. They're so happy. They had this gross disease. And, and they're, whatever, their bodies are falling apart and stuff. And Jesus goes and heals them. And one leper comes back and he thanks Jesus for healing with him. And what's Jesus' response? Where's the other nine? Like, Give me some love here. Where is the love? He was the first original Black Eyed Pea that he was saying, where's the love, guys? You know, that's, some, that's such a great model that Jesus actually loves it when we come back to him and we thank him. Yeah. That this is a relationship we're in here. And so part of that relationship is not just give me what I need. Okay, let me go on my way. You'll hear from me again when I need something. Right. Let's be like the one who came back. Gratitude is a key for prayer actually working. When you are grateful for what he's done for you, you'll start to see how much he's still doing for you. It's It's not all about you. It's not just that your life is so awesome that God opens doors for us. And we gotta be like that one leper that comes back and thanks him for it. And then later in Matthew chapter six, Jesus gives us this wonderful model on how to pray. But I want you to catch this, that before he gives us this model, he says, pray like this. And so it's the Lord's prayer, Matthew chapter six. You probably know it. Maybe you uh, repeated it in school. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the common, I think, misconception that people get into is they think, okay, that's the Lord's prayer. So if I'm praying anything, I just pray those exact words. And it's great to know that prayer. It's great to pray those prayers. 
uh, to pray that prayer and get it into your heart. But Jesus said right before, he says, pray like this. So he's saying, I'm giving you the Lord's prayer as a model or a structure for how you're supposed to pray. So you can adopt this model and this structure to whatever you're going through in life. I wanna break down this model for you a little bit. The first two sentences in the Lord's Prayer are all about God. We are supposed to use prayer to give glory to God. Yeah. We're to use prayer to give glory to God. You know, we just went through a worship set. Where, what were we doing? We were giving glory to God. I love that song, Worthy of It All. It's a reminder that God is worthy to be praised. And, and our relationship with him isn't just about what we get from him. It's also about what we give to him. And so the first half of this prayer is our father in heaven. We're putting him at his rightful place. That God is a father. He's a good father, but he's not your buddy or your homie. Okay? He's not just your friend that's just going to tell you, you know, what you want to hear all the time. Hallowed be your name. It's worship and adoration. Putting him at his rightful place. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What he wants over what I want on earth as it is in heaven. We're reminded that God's priority is not on earth as it is in earth. It's on earth as it is in heaven. And we have not been to heaven. So we don't fully understand God's ways sometimes, right? But we can read the Bible and learn about what it is in heaven that he wants earth to be like. And this helps us adjust our will to the will of God. I want you to ask you that question this morning. If prayer actually works, how often are you worshiping God with your prayers? How often are your prayers about adoration, thanksgiving, putting him at his rightful place in your life? We can get so familiar with God that he loses his rightful place in our lives. And he, we can so easily reduce him to this guy on Sunday mornings that we come and worship, we feel better, we get to talk to our friends and we go on with life, we'll do it again next week. His glory comes before our needs or our concerns. Jesus says, if you're to pray this way, very first thing is that glory to God comes before our needs or concerns. And so even if God never answered another one of my prayers, he's still worthy to be praised. That, that's not the way I believe for my life. I believe that God will answer my prayers. I believe that when I pray, he hears me. But regardless of if he answers me, he's still worthy to be praised. He's still seated on the throne. He's still the, the one that we worship. We would be nothing without him. And this life, quite frankly, is pointless without him. Yeah. His glory comes before our needs or concerns. Jesus starts, he tells us to start by declaring his holiness, that his will would be done. And that a healthy prayer life requires some balance. It's all about God, glory to God. But then there's two more lines. And those next two lines are about us. Come on, selfish people, just like me, say amen. That's good. That's great, right? God, that God actually does want to do stuff for us. That actually, God does want to meet our needs. That, that God does want to answer our prayers. That prayer can actually work. The second two lines are about us. Prayer is asking God for what we need. And it is so good to ask God for what you need. It's so good. He, he, look at these lines. He says, give us this day our daily bread that he can meet our needs and forgive us our debts. We need to be reminded that we every day need to be forgiven as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there's people who do us wrong and we need help to forgive them. And that's one of the keys to connection with God. 
is that God would help us forgive and let go of these situations we go through. And lead us not into temptation. Help me, God, help me with what I'm tempted by. Pray over your temptations. How often are we praying, God, lead me not into temptation? You know, we all have things that we're tempted by. Some of them are silly, and some of them we're quite ashamed of, and we don't allow anyone into those temptations. I want to tell you that we got to ask God to keep us out of these temptations so that we stay on the right track on God's plan for our lives. Because how many know he's got a better plan than we could ever come up with? And then it says, but deliver us from the evil one. Help us become holy. I would say this. Don't be so ashamed of needing supernatural help. We can often be embarrassed and not bring things to God. Don't be so ashamed. Of, or don't be so independent that you don't ask for help. Because we have the, the pleasure of living in the Western world where there's a lot of good stuff for us that, quite frankly, we could make it through this life without God. But man, how pointless would that be? And how much of his favor and, and how much of his grace would be, we be ignoring if we're so independent that we don't ask for help? Right. And when we ask for help, we got to remember how prayer works. If prayer really is going to work for us. we got to remember, prayer is about trusting his will is going to be done regardless of how we feel about it. Yeah. That regardless of what his, his will is and, and how we feel about his will, it, it's, it's going to be done. And that needs to be our prayer. And we add our faith to prayers. We don't try and use them to change the will of God. Or to maybe to manipulate God. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Well, I don't like the way a situation is looking. So I'll say to God, God, if you would just answer this prayer, I promise I will do this. Right? You ever done that? Maybe, you know, you're single here today. God, bring me a spouse. I will serve you forever. You know, or, or God, you know, give me that money. I promise once you start giving me that money, I, then I'll start tithing, God. I promise. Or maybe you're in a des- desperate situation where you say, God, don't, don't allow that to happen to that person. If you do, I'll serve you for the rest of my days. Sometimes we can get into a place where we try and manipulate God, but we don't have to do that. All we got to do is add our faith to our prayers and just entrust that God will respond in his will. I think of the woman in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus has just done some miracles and he's trying to get away. He's trying to rest for a little bit before he goes and does more miracles. And uh, this woman starts following uh, Jesus and his disciples. And she says, my daughter has a demon. You got to cast this demon out of my daughter. And she won't leave them alone. And, and he, he ignores her. She won't leave, she won't leave him alone. And, and, and then uh, he ends up calling her a dog. Long story short. Now Jesus could be kidding here. You know, or he might have actually been like, no, literally my people see you as a dog because she was a Canaanite. Um, But he could have been messing around. But long story short, Jesus says, look, right now I'm supposed to be doing stuff for Israel, not you. And just after he calls her a dog, Matthew chapter 15, she says this, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus is like, whoa, I just totally burned you. And that's how you respond to me. That you still have faith. Even though I I treated you in that way, you still have faith. He says, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. So look at that. It was her desire and he met that need. He answered that prayer and her daughter was healed 
instantly. But notice she wasn't trying to manipulate Jesus. She was just full of faith, saying that even though I'm a Canaanite, even though that this, this doesn't belong to me, I still know you're God. I still know who you are, and I still know you can answer this prayer. Right? And, and, and so she wasn't trying to manipulate him. She just came to him full of faith. So what else can we pick up from this woman's encounter with Jesus? That we can pray bold, radical, humble, shameless prayers. I want to ask you, are you praying prayers that are embarrassing if somebody else found out about them? I'm not talking about praying for the wart on your toe or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about, are you praying prayers that are so big that if other people found out, they'd laugh at you about them? Because that's the God that we serve that can answer prayers like that. But how often is we don't bring that kind of faith to our prayers? We're like, oh God, you know, maybe fix a flat tire here and there if you're, if you're, you know, if you're not too busy. But we are to pray prayers of great faith. This woman, Jesus just calls her a dog. And she takes it. She, she calls herself a dog. And she is persistent with the disciples. She shows us how to come to Jesus with what we're asking for. She comes with humility. She says, you don't owe me anything. She's not an entitled child of God. She says, you don't owe me anything, but I'm still expecting this big miracle from you. We can come to God with that. We can come to God with that great faith. But how often do we just approach him sort of sheepishly, like, you know, God, if it's okay with you. That's not humility. Humility is saying, it's not that I'm entitled to this. It's not that you owe me this, but I still have so much faith that you will do this because I know you're the great God that I serve, that you have the power and God is attracted to humility. That doesn't mean we come with little faith. Let me, I can't explain it that well. Let me, let me let Jesus explain it to you in James chapter four, two to three. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. He just lays it out plain as day. You don't have what you want because you're not asking God for it. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Now this is big. This is big. That you may spend it on, spend what you get on your pleasures. So, does prayer actually work? Yes, but you gotta check your motives on what you're praying for. Jesus saying, prayer will work, you will get what you're asking for, but you gotta get your motives right. You gotta look at your heart. Why do you want what you want? I mean, really dig down in there. Why do you want what you want? D.A. Carson said it this way in a commentary I read this week, and I just thought this was beautiful. You pray, but it's not effective for your motives are wrong. They are not seeking God's will or God's wisdom, but their will. God bless my plans. Their motive is their desires or their pleasures. God's goal is not to give human beings what their own impulses demand. His goal is that human beings will learn to love what he loves. It's not that God does not want people to have pleasure, that he wants to train them to take pleasure and what he knows is truly good. Wow. Let's commit ourselves to serving him regardless of how he responds to us. 
And if he isn't answering, we can continue to pray that his will would be done above all else. And Paul actually says, you know, when we talk about keep on praying, even though, you know, you might not be seeing results of it yet, keep going. Paul actually instructs us to pray without ceasing. Well, what the heck? I'm not praying right now, technically. You know, probably not a lot of you are right now either. So how are we supposed to pray without ceasing? Like, are we at work tomorrow? Welcome to Starbucks. Before you order, one second. Lord, please help me with this customer. I can just tell they're going to be rude. And they're going to expect a lot from me in your name. Amen. Okay, go on with your order. What did you want? Like, what the heck? What was that? Prayer, when Paul talks about pray without ceasing, the way I would, I would see that is that prayer can become like breathing. Yeah. A constant response to whatever is happening around us. Yeah, that's good. That the first thing we, you know, we so often react out of, you know, our insecurities or our emotions or, you know, however we've acted in the, in the patterns and our habits that we have. But prayer can become a constant response to what's going on around us. Yeah. And prayer is not a last resort. It's a first response. Right. It's the very first thing we can look to. And actually, Paul, right after he's converted, like right after he comes to the Lord, Paul goes into a time of prayer. It's his first response to coming in connection with God. Paul's such a great example for us. You know, he's this great new believer and he, he has this moment with Jesus and he's blinded by it. And so, uh, I mean, what else are you gonna do? You know, he's, he's trying to figure out this blindness. He's like, oh God, I need to get my sight back. And, and so he goes and he, he just obeys God and he, and he goes and he prays. And so immediately he comes into this encounter with God and he goes and he prays for, for three days in a room. And it's in that room that he gets a vision about a guy named Ananias. And he gets this vision and, and, and Ananias then shows up and Paul knows, okay, I've been praying and I knew you were coming. And so when Ananias steps in the room, because of Paul's time in prayer and what God had revealed to him, he knew, pray over me. And my, the scales actually fell off of Paul's eyes and he was full of the Holy Spirit and his sight was restored after three days of blindness. And so Paul goes into this time of prayer and it's revealed to him of what's gonna happen next. I wonder how many of us are going to this new year, like Paul, blind to what is next for us. And all it could take is a simple time in prayer for God to reveal what door he's gonna open next. But isn't it funny how we'll try everything else and use prayer as a last resort? You know what I mean? Like we'll try all these other things, we'll ask all these different people, we'll try all these things and it's like, oh, well nothing's working, maybe I'll pray about it now, I guess I'll try that. <laughs> I don't know, have you ever done that? that? That happens to me often. I think, how foolish am I? done all these things and I forgot to pray about it. You can pray right away. You don't have to be religious about it and, you know, store up a bunch of words or get it in a specific way. Just be sincere. And this is why I encourage you to join us for a week of prayer like we're going to go into this week. We're going to have nightly prayer meetings from 7 to 8. It's not long, but those times of prayer is the time where we are focused and they help us prioritize and they help inspire and give clarity and vision to what new habits God wants to build into our lives and what new things God wants to do in us for the year ahead. Right. 
We need a, a week of prayer like this. We need it because prayer changes me. Everybody say, prayer changes me. Oh, come on. It's going to be zero degrees tomorrow. You have so much to look forward to. Let's say prayer changes me. All right. Now you're excited. Prayer changes things. But prayer also changes me. And I change things. I like this example in John chapter 11. Jesus, uh, it's so funny how he does this. He's showing them that prayer changes things and, and he and, and, and changes us. And he's, he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he starts his prayer like this. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then he says, I know you always hear me. I said this on the account of those who are here so that they would know that you hear me. <laughs> that, that, that's his prayer. He's like, God, I know that you're going to hear me. And I don't even have to say that. But these guys, they didn't know that. So I just said that. So that they would know that you hear me. Let's go on and let's raise Lazarus from the dead. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And, and he raised Lazarus from the dead with those three words. Jesus is using his prayer to change people's hearts and minds around him. And our prayers will change our hearts and our minds to align with God's word and God's will. And Jesus raises this man with three words. What a great example of the simplicity of prayer. And he didn't, you know, come down and say, oh, I am Jesus, you know, look at me, look at my beautiful skin and hair, and I've been doing these great, you know, I know how to take care of myself really good, whatever. Like, he didn't make this big deal of it, he just says, Lazarus, come out. Right. I used to be so intimidated about praying for people, but what a, what a great example here, Lazarus, come out. I would say, uh, for me, what I, my struggle was for years was at our risen camp, we would do this night where we would pray for students to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and with the manifestation of speaking in tongues so that they would receive the gift of praying in tongues. And my insecurity is that I added some idea to my brain that I needed some kind of big education on how I needed to pray for people in a specific way for them to receive tongues. And I, it was just, like, what a lie from the enemy that was. That, first of all, we don't talk about tongues a lot in church. So I apologize if you, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Um, hopefully we'll get into it more soon. Um, but what a lie. Also, if you go into Freedom Conference, they'll teach you about it. Um, but what a lie from the enemy that was. That, I, that, it, that there was some kind of education that I needed. But speaking in tongues is all about faith. It's all about having the desire to receive tongues, not about some big education for it. And so what happens is I would get confused about prayer and I'd get so confused and insecure that I would actually avoid it. That's what happened to me and I think that happens to a lot of people. You know, if I was the enemy, you know what I would do? This is just, if I was the devil. <laughs> I, I, I would want you to get so confused about prayer that you'd avoid it. I'd want you to be so intimidated by it that you'd think, oh, you, you, can't, you can't heal people. You can't help people be filled with the tongues and receive that gift. No, you don't know enough. I would want to add so much confusion and complication to it so that you didn't have much of a prayer life at all. Especially when it comes to speaking in tongues. People get really messed up about this because people misinterpret 1 Corinthians 14. And Paul is addressing how tongues 
are to be used in church. And so what happens is, is when people sort of take this in the wrong way, um, they will get, they will totally reject tongues, the gift of tongues in general. And there's full denominations um, in our country that, that believe this way. And Paul keeps reminding the Corinthians that tongues aren't, you know, to be used on stages or in messages. He just says like, it's just, or for us, like podcasts. Like he says like, unless someone can interpret, there's no need for them in, in this setting for me to speak in tongues right now. It's, it's not gonna do anything for you. But the gift of praying in tongues is crucial in our connection with God. That's, it's where our spirit can connect to the spirit of God. And so you'll, you'll read through First Corinthians 14, and he starts with, yeah, don't use it this way. But then he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. And then Paul flexes on him even further. He says, oh, by the way, I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. He does. It's in the Bible. Verse 18. He encourages the Corinthians and us to use it in our connection with God. This is a reminder that prayer will help correct us when we are off track. That we can use this to, to align with the Spirit of God. Prayer is not about God doing our will, but it's about our will changing to align with God's will. And tongues are so powerful. Receiving the gift and, and, and having being baptized in the Holy Spirit is so powerful because the Holy Spirit will do things that we can't even imagine. The Holy Spirit will deal with situations we can't even imagine. On those nights, we'll pray for kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They'll just start crying. They'll just have this moment with God where it's just so powerful. And, and it's like, I don't even know what happened. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was that when the Holy Spirit came and baptized them, he knew what they needed and he would set them free from those things. In fact, we have a, a video that uh, we, one night we were praying for kids to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And, and uh, during this video, we're, we're looking through our video uh, footage after camp and putting together kind of our, our video for the end of camp. My brother Isaac was working on that. And, and we're looking at this video and it's a moment of, we just finished praying for all these kids. It's this powerful time. And, and it's, often it's powerful. We don't even know why it's powerful. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit yeah. is that we just let him do the work. And it's this time of worship after all these kids are into worship. The band is up and they're playing. And we see this little black dot go through the sky. And we're like, Isaac's like, what the heck? He slows this video down, slows it down. And he, he has it frame by frame where he sees this black dot come out of the crowd of kids worshiping. And it came right onto a worship leader's face and like squished itself on, this is real. We have, I'm pretty sure we still have the footage. Squishes itself on this worship leader's face and it, it can't be accepted by that worship leader. And then it, comes off of his face and flies out the door. I don't know what that was. I'm not going to try and elaborate on what that was. But the Holy Spirit dealt with something. And because the Holy Spirit was so powerful in that room, whatever that thing was had no place there. And it was commanded out. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can't always explain it, but that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Does prayer actually work? Oh, yeah. And I can't even always explain exactly how it works, but it works. And prayer is for me, it's not for God. God doesn't need your encouragement. 
You think when you pray, God's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that about myself. Thank you, child. God doesn't need your affirmation. You know what? I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Thank you for telling me who I am. God knows who he is. Prayer changes my heart. And, and this was the example that, that Paul was setting for the, the people that he would, the early Christians that he would write letters to and he would direct. You know, Philippians, he said, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and the depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and what, is, what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Ephesians, I keep asking that the God, the Lord of our, our Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he's called you to. Wow, that's exciting. And the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We gotta go into this year knowing that, that God has given us a power that we have not tapped into yeah. as much as we could. And that prayer will help us with that. Yeah. And I, I love this. Notice Paul is praying for their spirit more than he's praying for their flesh. Right. And how often do we get stuck in our flesh and what's happening around us and all these bad things. And Paul's saying, I want to remind you of the power you have in the Holy Spirit. Right. In fact, I looked and I couldn't find one prayer where Paul prayed for their problems. He prayed for their spirit. We're always praying for our problems, aren't we? God, change my situation. I'm not talking about healing and miracles here. We need to believe God for those all the time. But how often are we praying, oh God, just save me out of this thing, make it better. But if we use Paul as an example, we ought to pray that our spirits would be stronger through these troubles. Yeah. That God wouldn't just take us and take our issues away, but that he would strengthen us through them. Yeah. That he would just give us eyes to see what he wants to do with our lives as we go through these troubles. Paul prayed that they would endure. Because Paul knew when I went through troubles, they made me so much stronger. They're going to make you better. Mark chapter 11, Jesus gives us just a great confidence booster for prayer. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And then he gives us a, a really good encouragement here. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your sins. I just want to leave you with this thought that forgiveness is the key to answered prayer. So Does prayer work? Yeah. But we need to get forgiveness into some situations. We need to get the unforgiveness that we've been holding in our hearts. Uh, I'll say it this way. When I try to pray and I have unforgiveness in my heart, it's like running into a wall. Right. It's like, poof, oh, that, that's not working. God, where are you? Hello. Right. Trying to connect with you right now. And many people do not enjoy intimacy with God because they refuse to forgive people who've done them wrong. And I get it. And for a lot of us, there's a long list. 
And unfortunately, we're on other people's lists as well. And so this is such a great reminder from Jesus. Let's come back to the Lord's Prayer right after this structure that Jesus gives us. Matthew chapter 6, he says, he, he'd already touched on forgiveness. He's already said, forgive us, and we need to forgive other people. Help us with that. But then he says, if you don't forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also, uh, sorry, if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And this is the second time Jesus mentions it in this Matthew chapter six. This is how important it is. I, and I, I started to think, isn't this contradictory a little bit that Jesus doesn't, won't forgive us of our sins? And, and as I got through many scholars on this, uh, I, I landed with, I just wanna give you what D.A. Carson said about it. He says, though God's forgiveness of sin is not based on one's forgiving others, a Christian's forgiveness is based on realizing he has been forgiven. He or she has been forgiven. Personal fellowship with God is in view in these verses, not salvation from sin. One cannot walk in fellowship with God is if he or she refuses to forgive others. Does prayer actually work? You better believe it. Well, you gotta let people go. I... I this is kind of a weird example, but I, I always see uh, holding unforgiveness as like a, almost like a voodoo doll. You might not know what voodoo is. That's good. You're a good Christian. Uh, but it's like you think you can harm this person. You, you put these little pins in them. You know, you think, if I don't get back at them, who will? That's not your job. It's God's job. You got to just give that to him. They're, they're fighting their own battle you don't know about. And uh, I would just say, if you want to start this year off right, take a moment this Sunday to ask God to just show you who you need to forgive. What situation you need to let go of. What thing that you're holding on to that may be coming in the way of intimacy with him. So he wants to do amazing things through you this week and this year. Actually, let's just take a moment right now to just be still and to ask God, to, God, would you, would you come? Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now as we close this first service of 2022. We just ask that you'd reveal to us where there's a situation or a person in the way of us coming into intimacy with you. And the thing about, the thing about forgiveness is it, it's, sometimes it can be like uh, how you were shoveling your, your walks this week. You're like, I shoveled, and then snow came back. I shoveled, then snow came back. Forgiveness can be like that. He's like, I forgave that person in another service like this, but then the situation came back. I forgave that person, you know. I thought I, I, thought I dealt with this, but it comes back. And that's okay. Just keep on forgiving them. I just want to give you a moment to yourself right now between you and God.
Jesus, we just believe that your Holy Spirit has been breathed on people today. That your Holy Spirit is, is His presence is, is resting on us right now. God, I pray you just soften our hearts. Maybe it wasn't in this moment. Maybe we were distracted in this moment. Or maybe we just really have a, a hard heart towards this whole idea. Hey, last time we forgave someone, we just continued to feel violated. God, would we, would we give that to you right now? Put our trust in you, our hope in you, and know that part of your power is the power to overcome these situations that have happened to us. That part of the power of the Holy Spirit is saying, I will not allow this to hold me back anymore. Holy Spirit, we thank you for that power. And we welcome you into our lives and our situations. And we say, God, have your way. For prayer to actually work, we need God's will to be done, not our will to be done. As we wrap this service, I just want to pray for you. If, um, if you're feeling far from God today, um, maybe you've never uh, handed over your life to him and asked him to come into your heart, or maybe you've done it before. You're in church today because you feel like you've wandered away, or you're watching online because you feel like you've wandered away. I just want to encourage you. Salvation is so simple. It will cost you everything. Um, but salvation is so simple. Paul tells us, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It is that simple. And everyone who calls celebration home is gonna repeat a prayer after me and I would encourage you to pray this prayer. We're praying this prayer over your life together. So many of us have prayed it and now we're believing for you as we pray it together. And you can join with me if you're in the room or online. And this can be the beginning or the re-beginning of your journey with God. Let's pray this. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross for me. I believe that you are my Lord, that you died for my sins, and that God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for what God's done. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.